relationship to just for posterity and uh, as a little time capsule we're both wearing masks yes yeah <laughs> which so, what a weird what a weird time for you to be running <laughs> for office well, yeah. what's your thought process <laughs> that's the fun part about it right it's um the, the thought process behind it is what I like to tell my friends and my friends tell me is that I'm, I'm the type of person that if there's a fire I'm running towards it okay <laughs> yeah that's just part of the deal okay and that's basically how my whole childhood and upbringing has been we've always you know want to help people right and my parents have always been involved with community service and right we would be those little kids running around the fundraisers or helping with the food bank or okay doing beach cleanup so it was it was almost by design it feels like yeah that i'm trying yeah. to help more when it's needed well it's almost like the rest of your life uh, preceding this has been an interruption to what your childhood was then in some ways yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah it's such an interesting time it is. It's an interesting time. Anyway, my mask is coming off. My mouth is hot. <laughs> <laughs> I was up in Coquay for the week. Our family has a cabin up there. And we were gardening, and I was wearing a mask for, you know, not for, not for COVID purposes, but just for, um, you know, grass and allergies and whatever. Right. But just, they're the worst. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I think I'm most excited about quarantine ending just so that we don't have to deal with these things anymore yeah i mean it's such an adjustment <laughs> it's uh you know that make it they make the comparison of like the asian countries like japan and china right. and when you're sick you they do wear the mask and i remember you know when i visited three years for the first time i was like oh that's actually a good idea right when you're sick you should probably wear a mask because it right. makes it super easy to protect y- yourself from everyone else yeah um, but moving to everyone wearing a mask all the time, um, especially in a hot, humid climate, right. Right. it's not generally a, a, a right. fun experience at all. Right. Um, and uh, it, it somewhat doesn't make sense if you're out in the open, you right. know, especially if um, you, you're thinking about how, how things work, you know, right. generally it, it right. makes sense to keep it open. Yeah. Uh, from, from what I've read, it's just, you know, when, when you're outside sort of the open air, it tends to, you know, if you're, uh, there's a, what is the terminology for it? But uh, anyway, the, the fine mist that sort of comes out of your mouth that carries the contagion. Um, you know, if you're, if, if, you, if you're outdoors, the wind will carry it away. Um, whereas yeah. if you're inside, it can kind of it hover lingers. over, yeah. it lingers. And so you can walk into it in a closed space so really, the closed spaces are the smartest. I, I think I'm talking myself into putting my mask back on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll keep mine on, and you can stay protected, and okay. you can disinfect your right. your microphone and your, right. yeah, right. your filters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. I, I should I should come up with a, some kind of methodology or some process to yeah. disinfect all of my gear. Uh, yeah, you know. I bet you there's a podcast for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and a YouTube video and a TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's lots of information for basically anything that you want to look for. There's information saturation. I guess that's, you know, it's it's part of the reason that I wanted to do or, you know, it, it, it I guess on the surface, it's a little hypocritical. Here I am putting more information out, but I don't know. There's something about the long form, um, you know, communication of podcasts that allow conversations to breathe there's really no you know there's there's no sort of 
parameters around it. There's, mm-hmm. it, it, isn't, it isn't a virtual soundbite. It isn't Twitter. It isn't Facebook. You know, you and I can see each other right now. We can, well, you can see my facial expressions more than I can see yours, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I've disengaged from a lot of the social media um, myself as a personal choice. I've disengaged from Facebook. I, I don't really, I've never really engaged with Twitter. Um, and I do sort of limited Instagram things, but they tend to be sort of information relay as opposed to, you know, I don't know, throwing my opinion out there. And, you know, I don't know. It's not a great, not a great way to uh, make friends, I suppose. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> for a very long time, my Instagram was my personal diary. Yeah. It cataloged this one photo and it right. told, told a story to myself. Right. And it allowed me to remember some really amazing memories. Yeah. Um, so that what what Instagram was for me, and actually Facebook for me was uh, I tried to use it for what it was intended in the beginning, which yeah. was to make friends with your friends. Yes. And keep those connections. Yeah. And for a very long time, I had my Facebook uh, profile private. Yeah. And I had this rule where I would only befriend someone if I actually have met them and know them and talked to them. Right. Okay. And so I had like, you know, just like your realistic amount of friends. I right. feel like, you know, like a few right. hundred maybe. Right. If you went to college and you, you've worked and you live, you know, it's maybe a couple of hundred. Right. Um, and for a long time, that's where I kept it because it just felt like anything above that it becomes what social media isn't supposed to be or has become right it's right. pool of connections unnecessarily made with intention and you're then bombarded with information that you don't necessarily want or need yeah um i i, I actually touched on this I, I i'm i've been trying to you know blog and in parallel with you know doing um podcasts although they don't they don't necessarily align in terms of like what I'm talking about or the subject matter but but I did touch on on this a little bit and um, Facebook in particular um, they they're sort of you know I kind of think of it as like version one social media mm. um, you know the, and it did it did have predecessors you know it had MySpace before that, and it had I don't know Friendster, um, Friendster, um, you know w- w- the AOL yeah. uh, sort of chat rooms. Yeah. That, you know, so to me, Facebook was like an ev- an, an evolution of um, you know AOL chat rooms, sort of set the tone of how I conducted myself and how I um, talked to people. And you know, I'm coming from this like you know <laughs> post high school. Shit posting. Yeah. <laughs> you you, you yeah. don't you don't yeah. think about you don't think about the long term. There was nothing you know in two thousand and four. There's you're not thinking about the long term consequences of no what you know fa- what what you're about to write on Facebook. Right. You know, but we're now living, and this is you know something I sort of anticipated and 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 thought about when I was closing my account was just that you know we're living this thing where you're sort of slave to your past. You're slave to you know, whatever stupid thoughts that you had, um, you know, for anybody with the will to dig up, uh, you know, your old 10 year old posts yeah. and suddenly you have to defend yourself against, you know, 22 year old version of me. Right. Um, and it just, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem, 
it doesn't seem fair. <laughs> if, if we were a forgiving society, right, then right. possibly, <laughs> possibly that could be something where you could, you know, uh, you could, you could track your evolution as a person, but, right. but it's, it's totally not, uh, you know? Yeah. It's so interesting because I don't know when they started doing this. Facebook started doing this, this type of thing where they share old memories yeah. And they will share old memories of that day, right? Like yeah. seven years ago you were doing this. Right. Or five right. years ago you this picture was taken and you posted it. Right. And it's such an interesting idea, um, because it creates it they're leaping and using our our human nature of recalling memories and being nostalgic. Right. And that would be a common practice in a face to face friendship like you hang out with your old friend and you're like, hey, you remember that one time? Right. That That's what they're recreating, which right. is genius because they just tapped into another part of sociology and, yeah. and the connection of, of making relationships and maintaining them. But at the same time, like what you're saying is like, yeah, what I did 10 years ago, thanks for reminding right. me. Right. And, <laughs> and it's, it, it, it's funny because, uh, you know, without Facebook as a tool and say, you know, you're with four of your friends and you're all recalling some moment from 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And if you had only your memory to sort of rely on and recall the past, what you would really be, what you'd really be exploring is how your friends remembered those time, you right. know, that time. And, and, and what they remember is going to be different from, from person to person. Yeah. You know, it's the, where now we have sort of this hard index yeah. where you can go back and you're like, no, I was wearing a purple shirt, yeah. you know, or, uh, you know, we were the, with that person, yeah. we were here and, you know, possibly it, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe it makes a more accurate recall of, of, of memory, but I don't really know, uh, you know, aside from the novelty of the thing, um, right. <laughs> you know, how much, how much purpose does it really serve? <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, it just happened to me, I think yesterday. And it showed me a picture of uh, myself and my brothers and my sister. And we were at, um, oh, what's that national park? We were at a national park and it had a picture of us and I had a mustache. And I was like, <laughs> wow, I forgot that I used to not shave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the exploration phase of uh, facial hair yeah. that we... <laughs> Eleven years ago, right. it's such an interesting thing. Which an interesting thought just came up about, um, you know, uh, a lot of people who uh, do goal setting or vision boarding. How fun is it right now? You know, for people, you know, ten years ago in 2010, they're like, mm, 2020, I'm gonna be doing this, yeah. or I, I'm gonna be um, having this, right. or being this. Right. I bet you you're off right now. You're, way off. You're like, way, way off. <laughs> no uh, one told you you're going to be wearing a mask and no. being six feet apart and making sure that you aren't, you aren't traveling. Right. <laughs> like you uh, can't travel. There are some, there are some high level things about my life. I think that I could have maybe predicted with some level of accuracy. I, I, I've always wanted to have kids, you know, mm. I've, I've always wanted to be, you know, uh, always wanted to have a family, but yeah, Beyond that, like what it looks like, you know, how many kids, yeah. you know, um, you know, where I live and what my career would be and what my interests would be and, you know, how that would sort of evolve. And, you know, I think the magic of life, though, is is in, I don't know, letting that organically 
come to you, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and not over planning and not, um, I don't know, you, you, you not just limit your choices, but you set yourself up for some level of disappointment when those things really don't come to pass and you have to, you know, uh, adjust your thinking and yeah, yeah, I don't know the, 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 the more I've been open to, um, moving and adaptation, uh, like the, the easier those sort of life transitions have been where mm-hmm. if I had some rigid idea of what it should be, then I don't know, I, I, I it would have, uh, and, and, and it's already, it's already difficult. It, life's hard enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's one of those, I always had fun with that concept of, you know, setting intentions and creating a vision and working towards that vision. Yeah. Um, and setting expectations and at the same time being able to be adaptable. Mm. And that's one of, I think, the hardest parts, I think, for uh, a lot of us in our age group, which is, you know, you millennials in your 30s, you're at that point where you did set a 10-year goal or 15-year goal when you're aspiring to be something or do something. And this is actually a, a really amazing time to pivot Right. To look at some options to pursue something that you have always been passionate about or didn't even know that was something was possible. Right. And and go for it. Right. And, you know, right now I feel like this is like the perfect time for anyone to pivot, to go for something that they never thought about. Right. Um, And that's that part of what you're you're you've been explaining, you know, that adaptability that I want to say spontaneity, but not really. It's just more of freedom of being right you know and honoring that you have that ability and you can right. take that you know right well so. it, we, we seem to be at a time where that kind of transition has to happen sort of at scale for a lot of people uh, and you know if we're speaking about Kauai in particular there's a lot of people who are going to have to adapt from sort of a tourist-based service-based role to now doing something who knows who knows what and yeah. and the the and the opportunities are limited here. So, I guess like this is a good um, transition point where, you know, I read some of what you were um, proposing as like um, solutions to those problems being, you know, possibly, you know, bringing in high speed internet here, those kinds of things. Like, where do you see, what do you see um, the changes that Kauai can make to? to allow those uh, sort of opportunities to come up for, for, for people. Yeah, I mean, this, I, w- I was literally talking to my sister about this about 10 minutes ago over Zoom. Uh, she lives in Seattle right now. She mm. works for Expedia. They've been working from home for the last four months since the beginning of they being sent home. And she, you know, she was asking about, you know, what about all, like, like what you just said, what about all the people who were working at hotels, who were bussers, who, you know, did customer service stuff. Um, like, what's your thoughts around that, Addison? And I was just thinking about how how much things have adapted into the world of internet. And um, a lot of that that we describe, and it's fun because it reminded me of my times as a server and a bartender. Um, I used to work at Brennecke's as a bar back, and that was like so much good memories. I used to work at Deli and Bread Connections, right in Kukui Grove, all on Kauai, right? And um, I'm just thinking about, wow, those were all really valuable jobs because it taught me something that 
I think a lot of people forget how valuable it is, which is customer service. Mm-hmm. Just creating relationships and being able to help someone, regardless of what the product or service is. And I feel like there is a massive opportunity for everyone who, who right now is is suffering and having a hard time because they cannot be a server, they cannot be a bartender, but they have an amazing skill in customer service, right. by far none better than most places in the world because you're coming from a perspective of aloha and connection and relationships like we in he in on Kauai, like that's people travel here yes for the beauty of the island but with the experience of the people right. and that's just a, a testament to customer service of how we take care of one of another right. so imagine now that we infuse this type of customer service into the world of the internet like imagine you actually talk to someone on Hawaiian Airlines call, you know, that is from Hawaii and they like talk to you or, or any other product or service that needs great customer service because there has been a push out of it, right? A lot of it became automated messages and a robocall. Right. Now, you know, if, if companies are looking to innovate, you know, large companies mm-hmm. who want to do better in customer service, I would, if I were them, I would be looking to hire a bunch of people from Hawaii doing right. calls on a phone or on a Zoom uh, representing them. And that right. would p- probably be one of the best investments for them because now they just up their level of customer service and creates right. way more value for what they're doing. Um, and for us here, that's an opportunity for a lot of these um, types of work. And I feel like that comes with that idea of um, increasing our ability to have solid broadband internet. Um, and those are the kinds of jobs that I feel like can start transitioning now. Um, and and I've, I'm seeing a lot of people trying to do that, which is awesome because that's the smartest move you could do right now. Imagine if you were doing, you know, server work that was paying, you know, minimum wage, but you're doing great in tips. But imagine if you had a more stable job working for, you know, Expedia.com and um, you're doing customer service and you're, you're, you're taking care of people, but you get to do it from home. Right. I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of the, the where we're moving towards. And one of the opportunities in that part of the service industry that could be diversifying the actual part of tourism that no longer is the same experience. And that will allow us to have a partial of a transition and not be super relied on just the traditional, we need these hotels and we need that traditional experience, you know? And I feel like that's one of the pieces of it um, the other piece of it is um, my my sister and my um, brother-in-law. I asked him blatantly, like, if you can just work from home for the jobs that you're doing, would you guys move home? Like, why are you in Seattle? And I asked my cousins in, in San Francisco, I asked my friends in Idaho, like, why are you not home? And for a very long time, for that, I'd say like the last 10, 20 years, um, uh, if you're listening uh, and you are in this generation or, or you've been here on Kauai for generations, um, a lot of people will say, you know, for the past 10 to 20 years, there has been a brain drain here in Hawaii, yeah. and specifically in Kauai. And we're often told to say, you know, like, hey, after you graduate in high school, you know, leave, go right. to another place, experience life. Um, and um, oftentimes, you know, parents and mentors, they'll say, come back if possible. And oftentimes that would be like a, 
almost a negative, like, oh, don't come back, you know, like make your life whatever it is. Um, and for a lot of us who um, have experienced a childhood here and then moved away, really understand that it's such a unique childhood here, right. uh, a childhood experience. And um, you kind of always feel drawn to come back because of this special experience. Right. And you a little want... displaced when you're when you're not when you're away. Yeah. yeah. And, and you the type of lifestyle that you have here is just a little bit different than most places in the world. Yeah. Um, and so an opportunity like this where my sister and my brother-in-law, you know, without hesitation, they said, absolutely. Right. I would love to move back home. If they say I can work from home for the rest of my time, right. we're going to look for places and we're moving back home. Right. And that's exciting to talk about and to share with people and to want to serve at a level of county council to hear that my peers and younger generations who possibly could move home and do that kind of work and they you know work for Expedia they work for um, Ticketmaster they work right. for Amazon they and and these are you know mid to high level jobs where it is a decent um, you know like salary and uh, what I'm saying is that we could potentially, this terrible thing that's happening right now could potentially restore um, a part of the, the middle class in Hawaii. Yeah. And that's exciting, you right. know, like just to think about like, wow, like imagine if we attracted that cohort back home right. and they get to do this high level work that they're doing and live home right. and contribute to, the, to our society and help, you know, integrate and innovate at right. every level and continue to to help Kauai be healthy right right and so i get super excited because yeah. it's like wow right. this is actually i mean it's terrible right what's happening is terrible i'm not saying it's great um what i'm saying is that there is opportunity right um and uh, i think that's one of the things that we need to look at right well um, where the circumstances can't be changed you have yeah. to make uh, adjustments and adaptations to yeah, yeah to, to fit the, the new paradigm uh, you know from from my own experience I see you know the following two problems which is working from home working from home is great mm -hmm. but I came to this Kuleana here the shared yes. workspace for a specific reason and that was not to have to work from home mm -hmm. <laughs> because mm -hmm. I have two kids uh, my son is going to be uh, seven years old in October, and uh, he is, you know, he's six. He's very, very six. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he needs constant attention. Um, and, uh, you know, in, a little bit of it is our specific space, and my wife works as well. And, you know, so uh, sharing that small space and, you know, finding the time to be, to focus and be productive, um, it's difficult. And, we're also seeing school closures and we're, we're going to be having to, Ooh, um, right. we're going to have to be, uh, you know, basically homeschooling at least half time. Um, you know, if we keep the kids in public school, if not, it'll be at home full time, you know, right. which, so that's just, they're, they're new. It, it, it's like, yes, we can shift to home, but also there's going to be a lot more going on at home, a lot more responsibility on us at home. And, I guess the, the other thing, and maybe this is something that you could talk about because I know it's um, something you address on, on your website, is just the housing shortage that's here mm. and the cost of living and the, 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 the median house price range 
I, I don't I don't know for a fact what it is, but it has to be in the mid five hundreds or well, above. Uh, above, yeah. 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 So, you know, uh, the 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 cost of living here is just extraordinary, and 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 making it often means that you do have some kind of support structure. You have some kind of family here who can right. provide you with a baseline to say like. Yeah, take care of your kids, or yeah. you have an open space, or you know, uh, an Ohana unit in the back where you could you can rent out and have the people move in. So, how do you see? How do you? What, what do you? What do you see solutions to you know, one or both of those? <laughs> yeah. So two things. Um. Uh. The first part was yeah, you're right about what's happening with families, young families right now, where a lot of it is being put on you where you're working from home, you're taking care of your kids, trying to teach them, and you're t- trying to take care of your just your life as an adult and a parent and a, a mom and a dad and a husband. And um, that's one of the, the dynamics of, I think our, our, our future is gonna be looking more similar to that way of life uh, for, you know, for the short term and possibly for a lot of people um, for a while. Um, and that's kind of a, a thought of about how life is changing where we are much more connected technology-wise, but we're also returning just to the basics, right? Where you do spend a, a lot more time with your kids when before it was, you yeah. know, send them off to the nanny, send them to yeah. school, send them, you know, send them away. Yeah. And then we'll connect when we have family time. Right. And so it's such an interesting dynamic. And so you're right. And in spaces like here, like Kuliana works, you know, allows for remote working to be remote working. Right. And that way you're able to, you know, separate the space. Right. And I think that's where a combination of that will happen, right? There's going to be people who work from home, actually right. work from home or work remotely, but not right. at home. Right. Um, so. Right. I'm excited for that because then it expands all industries. Right. It's not just one industry. It's not just customer service. Um, we're talking about almost yeah. every industry that is ending up or will be utilizing some Internet of Things. And you mentioned something, too, um, uh, on your website about repurposing spaces. Um, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think it maybe was in the context of like living spaces, but it also strikes me that this could be something where if you needed to expand um, – you know the availability of working spaces that were away from home. If you needed to get away from home to do to do your work, it would be places like you know you, you see it in Kapa, where yeah. a lot of these places are are closing down, and um, you know they're just empty, vacant buildings. And that would be a perfect repurpose for those kinds of things. Um, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and that's I mean that's you know looking at affordable homes and how things are adapting and cost of living. Yes. Yeah. I mean, cost of living and affordable homes. Let's just start there. Affordable homes, it's amazing. I own a condo here on Rice Street, Kalapaki Villas. We bought that three years ago. And it's insane to, to say this, but we purchased it at 240 something thousand dollars. And now it's at like 300 and something. Right. So for it to increase over $100,000, you know, like... As an owner, you you want to say, yeah, fantastic. This right. is a great investment. Right. But as a other fellow human being living right. in this area, that's insane. Right. Like that's so unfair. Right. Like I bought it at two forty, and now the the person next to me or coming up wants to buy a condo, and they're buying it at three twenty when I bought it two forty three years ago. Right. So you know, economically and looking at the system and why is this happening and how can we take care of this? Um, you know, it's it's tough to make a complex 
idea or a complex situation simple, but it really is somewhat simple in a sense of that it's just your typical business uh, law, which is some supply and demand. Mm-hmm. Kauai in Hawaii has been one of the slowest places to develop homes um, to a point where that the demand is so much higher than the supply that the prices always are going to go up in the last 20 years because we just don't meet the demand for the local growth. And so if you look at the research right now, the local growth of just local families, people who live on Kauai, their rate of growth, we don't even match that growth of new homes. And so the prices are always going up because the development does not keep up with that growth. Right. And um, a lot of the times is that we're, we're focusing or the, the overall growth in the last 10 years have been always focusing on just the traditional type of home, that 1,200 square foot, three bedroom, two bath with that awesome 7,000 lot, right. awesome yard to take care of. Right. And we haven't diversified any housing stock at all. Right. I mean, if you think, uh, ask the question of like, when's the last time uh, we've created a, a condominium with more than 10 units or uh, apartments or multi-use buildings where there's commercial on the bottom and residential on top. Right. There's literally none in right. the last 20 years almost. Right. Right. And so what that does is that it forces, say, young professionals like us or, say, people returning home or... Um, young families wanting a starter home to be forced into these traditional types of housing that generally command a higher price and is in such high demand that it just increases in value. And so um, a lot of the research and what we've seen across the United States and throughout the world is that the best way to solve some of these affordable housing challenges coupled with cost of living is really trying to create or trying to um, build in town core centers where existing infrastructure and existing community um, is there and diversifying the housing stock in that area so that people can live, work, and play in the same space. And that concept is pretty normal everywhere in the world except Hawaii. Right. Because we just don't, we haven't focused on that type of development. Right. Um, and a lot of it really has been, you know, converting agricultural land and urban sprawl and building those type of homes. And so um, I'm a strong advocate of developing these town core centers and providing a diver- diversified stock of homes so that we can address several of the needs, the, the need to take care of the environment the need to right. reduce cost of living by reducing transportation, reducing the type of housing stock, um, and then also addressing that transitional um, families and trans- transitional um, people who are looking for these types of places so they can live, work, and play in the same space. Right. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking at. And all, I mean, all the research is pointing towards that. Our general plan is looking for that. Um, Literally, almost 60% of the population drive into Lihue to work and right. then drive out. Right. Um, and people ask, why, why can't we solve the traffic problem? Well, the, the traffic problem is because people have to drive into work. 
Yeah. You know, like if someone had we, my, we were talking with my sister again, like about this same problem. Like, would you rather, <laughs> would you rather, <laughs> would you rather be stuck in traffic for an hour and live in Wailua and work in Lihue? Or would you rather live in Lihue and not have a traffic problem, um, but you just don't have your yard? Yeah, right. And, uh, and what's uh, I, I, I imagine you get a, a range of responses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so interesting because some families like I love my yard. Yeah. I love the sure. And then and some people are like I absolutely hate lawn mowing. I would yeah. love to live in the right. t- in city, walk to the park, hang out, do right. my loop around, ride my bike down Rice Street, and um, buy my groceries right down the right. street, and and never have to, you know, drive my car longer than thirty right. minutes. You know, right. so. Yeah. The, the challenging is like we have right now only one option is you buy a very expensive home and drive the traffic. Right. <laughs> That's the only option we have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, my, my experience with that has been, uh, you know, I, I, my mine is a bit of an edge case. But, uh, you know, I drive from Moloa uh, to Kekaha when when I work on base. Oh, right. And that is, um, you know. I try to see it as a blessing, <laughs> so, which is which is hard to frame when you know you're an hour into an hour and twenty minute commute and yeah. uh, you know stuck in Kapa and uh, you know especially especially pre quarantine where yeah. you're dealing with not just the local traffic but the right. you know the 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 tourism traffic which which silver lining by the right. way right. Um, <laughs> with quarantine has been that the traffic is very agreeable yeah yeah uh, i'm no longer afraid of driving through kapa <laughs> it's like you don't know when to drive because or, there's traffic randomly just <laughs> yeah yeah, no, yeah. It no really really does yeah. really <laughs> does yeah you know um and it strikes me that you know that is going to be a re-emerging problem because the infrastructure on Kauai, especially the road infrastructure, it was just never designed to handle the yeah. level of tourism that we developed over a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's really no good solution, at least not right now, for um, uh, for public transportation, um, mm-hmm. people who are commuting from, you know, Princeville to Lahui, if that happens, mm-hmm. uh, you know, often or or, you know, uh, or down to the south shore from Lahui, you know, where it chokes up a tree tunnel. And, yep. um it's uh, it, there's there's no I don't I, I, I don't know how you would mitigate that problem without reducing the number of rental cars that are allowed to be on the road mm-hmm. at a given time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've had I've had ideas in this arena that I've sort of kept to myself and, and mm. I'm afraid to uh, broadcast. But <laughs> mm. yes, but maybe I'll say anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but just if there if there could be a limit to the number of, uh, you know, rental cars that are allowed to be on the road at a given time, that would look a lot like the distribution would be from hotels as opposed to from the airport mm-hmm. where, I mean, how many of the tourists who are here need a car just to get to their hotel right? and, you know, and crash their stuff and, and they have like maybe one trip to Waimea Canyon planned and that's right. it. Right. But now you're, you know, multiply that by several thousand and you begin to see sort of the, you know, the, the traffic problem that, that, that comes up with, um, you know, when, when, when tourism is, is at its peak. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think those are, uh, 
very pressing needs right now. <laughs> yeah, right now people aren't as aware to, of the challenge because yeah. we're enjoying the, right. the somewhat normal life of how it used to be. The slump. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 I, it, it does feel like back in the 90s when you know, I first yeah. got my license and I remember not ever having traffic right. ever right. anywhere, like right. literally. Like you, I remember driving, like, what is traffic right. back in the day? Right. Like, going to Oahu was like, oh, a my novelty. gosh, right. there's so many cars, <laughs> you know, like, and, um, you know, so the far-fetched ideas are actually really fun, um, but it's going to require us in, in to address the, the traffic challenges. It's it's a multifaceted thing, right? It, yeah. You know, the developing town core centers is one big piece of it, right? If we can centralize these town core centers, yeah. strengthen these communities, and allow people to live, work, and play in these, these local areas. So like right. if I work at the base and I got to live in Hanapepe because there was a right. town core community to be right. part of, then that's a 10-minute drive instead of an hour and 15. Right. Uh, and, you know, and that's the, that's the whole concept of the town core centers. But the other piece to this is is a very, uh, you know, how can we, is it a, a, a how can we address the, the visitor industry? And there's um, ideas of like limiting um, the amount of uh, rental cars. The other um, idea was looking at shuttle systems that really right. take people to high traffic areas to reduce those cars going to the area. So, right. you know, places like Kanakapiai Beach and Ka'e Beach, you know, that's a big destination area. Uh, to the south side, south, the south side has such a unique, like, core space that we could do such a shuttle system. Right. So, as we said, North Shore, South Shore. Um, and then uh, a great shuttle system between the interconnected hotels and, and the airport. That, right. That's not that, I mean, it's far-fetched, but it's not that far-fetched. You know, right. like if there was a, a way for us to all work together on it and really, really move towards it. Um, right. I mean, multiples of these ideas, if you couple just pieces of them right. and you implement, you know, three or four right. new ideas, it actually might not be too right. far off you know right. and yeah. so it just takes a couple of uh not a couple a lot of bold people willing to do something different right. and take some risks and that's part of the deal and right um that's the thing that i right. don't mind doing and right. Right. probably people you know two years from now if i do get elected might be like wow great thing or might be like bro get out of here <laughs> get out of here right um so we'll see <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah, you know, um, in terms of, uh, you know, and I think in, in spite of my um, reservations for uh, a lot of how technology is, I don't know, I, I think it's really causing a lot of friction with uh, society right now. I think a lot of our problems are down to, you know, uh, our adaptation to emerging technology over the last 15 to 20 years, especially. Um, but one of the positive things possibly could be um, automated driving. Mm. And, and, it, and it seems like Kauai is, it's almost like a closed laboratory. You don't have a lot of, we're not San Francisco. We're not a big city. We're, we're, we don't have a lot of uh, traffic conditions that you have to adjust to. They're, they're fairly predictable, mm -hmm. it, you know, uh, it, aside from storms or landslides happening or whatever in parts of the road. But if you're talking about uh, like an automated shuttle that all it did uh, that that all it did was go from the airport to the hotel back and forth that seems like something very doable yeah but it, you know it's it's a question of is the infrastructure here like right. do we have the talent 
mm-hmm. you know, to maintain those kinds of things and build those kinds of things, mm-hmm. you know, and, and... Do we have the broadband internet, right. the connectivity for that shuttle right. to accurately guide itself? Right, yeah. right. And those are the kinds of things that, you know, I, I see as being, you know, uh, you know, maybe a shortcoming to the kinds of progress we can make, but you're always talking about, and you're always, and out here especially, you feel the balance that we have to achieve between... Um, you know, industrial progress and the environment, mm-hmm. and 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 the what what draws people to Kauai is mm-hmm. always going to be its beauty. I mean, I feel like that is our resource. Our resource here is the you know preserved beauty of the place. That's it. and once we lose that, there's really no incentive for people to come here. It's a pain in the ass to visit this place. <laughs> yeah. It's a pain in the ass to fucking live here. <laughs> it's so far. It, it it's it, it like it, it, yeah. you really have to like hold on to that to yeah. overcome all of the pain. Yeah. Involved with being here, yeah. <laughs> like really, yeah. You know? It's one of the few places in the United States right. where you drive and all you see is nature. Yes, yeah. Shocking bits of nature yeah. where you get out of your car and you're five minutes away from shocking yeah. nature. Yeah. You yeah. see, you look up and it's just this beautiful mountain range, and yeah. then five minutes later, you smell the salt winded air yeah. of the ocean. Right, and, right, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So you know, it's like. Um, so, you know, back to sort of one of your points about, um, there being this constant demand for, uh, for growth and a limited supply where I see that, but I don't see, uh, what I don't see is like, uh, you know, how do you maintain that balance, you know, and, and how, how do you, how do you maintain that balance without having a vision of what that balance looks like in, in, in full? So you're, I like your idea of a town center and, you know, for establishing town centers and, you know, in sort of the logical places and it, and it kind of, Kauai does lend itself to sort of like you know, having um, each, t- there's, there's a logical place for each of those town centers. Anybody who lives here knows what they are. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, beyond that sort of how, what, what is, what is the long-term vision for Kauai? Like, how do we know when we've reached the point of saturation, uh, in terms of its population and that, how do you prevent Kauai from becoming Oahu where mm-hmm. it's just from a development standpoint, a little bit out of control, you know, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you preserve this place? Right. Yeah. And, and that's one of the I, big pine aside questions that oftentimes catch me like randomly in the middle of the day, taking care of patients. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I just think about, is there a functional limit yeah. of our island? Right. And uh, we know what, uh, you know, breaking through a functional limit looks like, you know, Oahu. Yes. Honolulu. Honolulu, 600,000 people. It's, it's amazing. Like, whoa. Right. Like San Francisco, right there, but on an island. Yeah. To, <laughs> to, to illustrate the point, there are two congressional districts in Hawaii. Yeah. One of them is Honolulu. Yeah, alone. The other one is the entire rest of the state. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the island has uh, 80% of the population. Yeah. Like Oahu is right. like, I think, a, one, like 980,000 right. people or something like that. Right. You, someone fact check me and make sure I'm, this is all correct. I'm right? sure and, they will. Like the, the Hawaii state is going to get a lot of hate mail 1.4 something 1.3 million you know (laughs) your facts are wrong it's 1.3 million um and 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 it's in in yeah yeah it's so uh my far-fetched ideas can i go deep on these things yeah is there a functional limit right and uh 
And that's where like I look at things like resource-based economy, circular right. economy. You know, these are some of the things that have been researched and people are trying to implement throughout the world, trying to understand these concepts because um, so like, for example, like a resource-based economy, you, you look at your resources and you say, this is our functional limit. We have this amount of, amount of land to do this agriculture and this can sustain this. Um, and we have this amount of, you know, land for right. residential. So, right. and it's really a, 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 an opportunity for us to really check on these resources and acknowledge it and say, we're going to preserve that. We right. need that. We need this many acres of agricultural land because right. we want food right and we want food from our place right and so that's uh those are the long-range kind of thoughts and planning right. and uh those are the things that you 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 think about you know on a podcast you know right. and on and with people and you and you really take a chance to really look at that and i feel like there is a functional limit for sure yeah. there is definitely a functional limit and for the way of life that uh, we want and a lot of people do want or cherish, you know, oftentimes the saying is keep Kauai, Kauai. Right. You know, meaning that we want to keep this small town connective feel. You know, right. we don't want to lose the aloha, right? We don't want right. to lose the, I walk into a, a um, you know, grocery store and I don't know anyone. You know, right. that's still not possible yet here. Sometimes like, I really want that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not many. Yeah, it's such an interesting concept because you know, um, you know, being born and raised here, you you grow up in the small town fields where yeah. everyone knows you. Yeah, and you do want to get out of that. You so do. I totally understand that. Yeah. And I, when I was out of the, uh, you know, in Seattle and San Francisco, and you walk into anywhere and no one knows you. Well, you can go for miles where no one knows you, and it was just right. an interesting, fun right. experience. But at the same time, for some people, it's like they love that, and that's great. And yeah. for some people, they love the everybody knows your name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's yeah. just a, a matter of like, what do we want Kauai to be like? Right. You know, right. And it's a fundamental right. question for ourselves. I, I see a direct correlation between my current state of mind and uh, my. Uh, you know, ability to handle the level or lack of anonymity that I that that, that I get here. <laughs> if I'm if I'm struggling or if I'm going through a hard time, and you know, I am the kind of person where those emotions are they're all over my face. Mm -hmm. um, and you see somebody, you know, if somebody sees you out of context with uh, those particular uh, oh, facial right. expressions, <laughs> and they can <laughs> yeah. maybe make false assumptions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but. But yeah, I mean, you know, those are the give and takes of, you know, living in a small town and, um, you know, yeah, um, and, and hopefully turn it around to be something that's a little bit more supportive where, you know, if you do see somebody struggling and if you do see somebody who's, you know, in need of help that, you know, they have that, you know, uh, community behind them that yeah. it, to, to be able to help, um, you know, but it's hard, it, you know, it, it's hard when on an individual level, you're already struggling yeah. to just make ends meet. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, the, the task of taking on somebody else's problems. Mm -hmm. It seems too steep, you know, and that's where I kind of see, you know, the role of local government being able to step in and kind of say, okay, what are the common sets of problems? How can we sort of address those at scale? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess that's what, that's what I hope this, you know, um, incoming class of 2020 Ooh. is mm -hmm. is going to be um yeah you know it, to at least like have a, a a common idea of what our uh, challenges are 
and what we need to address. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, and that's, yeah, I just say, yeah. (laughs) Sometimes you just got to know when to say ditto. (laughs) (laughs) So ditto. Yeah. Well, I'll say, um, I've enjoyed seeing, uh, your, uh, your posters everywhere. You, you mm. seem to. Um, your, your campaign seems to be uh, well organized. It's uh, it, every it, from from Kilauea all the way to Waimea. I see uh, uh, your 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 posters. So you seem to have a broad base of support. Um, but uh, anyway, I'm I'm glad that we had the opportunity to meet here. Uh, it yeah. was it was by pure chance. <laughs> and and by the way, you happen to be with somebody who um, lived for, uh, I think, close to maybe 15 years. Um, her name is Dr. Lisa... Spitzdoser. Spitzdoser. You yes. see, I don't feel so bad about forgetting her last name. Oh, it's hard. <laughs> Try spelling it. <laughs> right. Just imagine if she was your doctor. Yeah. You'd hope she'd say Dr. Lisa instead of Dr. Spitzdoser, right? Right. right. She's like, oh, come on, please, your first name, because <laughs> right. I can't even spell it. <laughs> so, yeah, Dr. Lisa Spitzdoser. Yeah, I probably screwed that up again, but... Um, anyway, she she uh, she lived on Kwajalein, which I also I graduated high school out there, and when when in, in the year two thousand. So I think we had a little bit of overlap. I think she maybe she said something about having come back in the late nineties, but um, yeah, it seemed you know I had been uh, like uh, thinking of contacting you anyway, and to see you there with somebody who had that strange connection to me wow. was was pretty. <laughs> It, it was pretty weird. It was very coincidental. So that is amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this is meant to be. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That is so interesting how yeah. that worked out. Right. Because right. that 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 town that um, island is tiny. Tiny. Like it's, it, it's about three miles. It's it's shaped like a crescent. Right. And it's about three miles um, by foot from end to end, and in uh, about a half a mile wide at its widest point. And half, about half of the island is taken up by a runway, so <laughs> it's uh, it's very small. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, yeah. that you would run into yeah. here. You know, like <laughs> it's a, it, it it it's pretty amazing. Though, like you know, especially the business space I occupy. Um, you know, there's a small contingent of people who um are you know have um some history there, and right. it's a yeah, it's a it's a bonding. It's a it's a definitely a bonding thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's and it's so funny because I mean, Kauai would be then your big city. Right. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And we in on Kauai, if you're, you know, from here, born and raised or your childhood is here or whatever, you've been here for a really long time. And you hear like you, you lived on Kauai and you you travel and you see someone from Kauai in right. some random place like New York or right. it's like an instant bond and right. you feel safe with right. them right like right. You, you can like an instant trust level absolutely like you understand yeah. me yes <laughs> you understand why I walk yes. so slow <laughs> yes you understand why I walk slow. <laughs> You understand, like, how I can adapt to, I mean, you know, a common complaint for people moving from the mainland to Kauai is just how slow things are. It took me a month to get my fence built, you know, and you're just like... Wow, that was fast. (laughs) Well, the surf was good, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, you definitely don't move here for um, you know the efficiency of things, and uh, you know right. <laughs> yeah, that that'll make your job um, a bit more difficult, I'm afraid. <laughs> but, uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is Kauai time. I get that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's a fun part of the job, right? Right. Part, fun part of like really understanding 
no, this is our way of life and this is the way that we are moving towards and the question is always going to be is are we moving towards it together? Right. You know, and is this what we want together? Right. And so that's the that's the fun part about it. You right. Know? And, and and that's why a, a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, um, a few people want to step up and you know be part of that solution. Because right. We we're hoping that we can be part of a, a transformation or a change or or um, just a new thing so that we can make things better for everyone else. Yeah, so. yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah. And, you know, um, and like you said, I think technology is really going to provide um, the opportunities that we need, um, you know, uh, especially if we're able to build up some skill levels. Um, mm-hmm. And for myself, you know, thinking about, like, uh, building up some software skill levels and being able to sort of have in-house, um, you know, on-island-based technology that, you know, addresses our specific needs, mm-hmm. um, it would be, you know, it would, it, would, it would give people the opportunity to stay who grew up here and want to continue to stay, you know, mm-hmm. but otherwise wouldn't have had the opportunity and would have had to leave. Right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I feel for them and I want it. I, I, I want to give them that opportunity if, if, if possible. It'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, a, a few books are popping up into my mind, and uh, the reason why they're popping up into my mind because I often think that my thought process is is relatable, but sometimes unique enough to mm. be like, "What is he talking about?" Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, if you're listening, uh, I strongly suggest people to check out these few books. Um, it's called one of them is called *Sapiens* by Yuval Harari. Have you read it? Uh, I'm familiar with the okay. book. I have not read it. Okay. Yeah. And then he, he wrote three books. If, if you can read all three books, mm. Sapiens, and the second book was Homo Deus or Homo Du. I don't know how to say it. It's D-E-U-S. I, mm-hmm. I always, Deus, yeah. Okay, perfect. Like some people say Deus, some say Do, some say, I don't know. I okay. just always, <laughs> I'm always trying to check if I'm saying it right. Yeah. Um, and then the third book is um, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. And I like to explain to people that oftentimes my thought process can be summed up by reading those three books. Okay. It's such an interesting uh, uh, thought process. Uh, Sapiens is that first book where he looks at the history of mankind and how we've become what we are now. Um, And it's such an interesting way to look at uh, history and mankind and how we, you know, how we make decisions um, and how we're making decisions. And Homo Deus is looking at what would we look like 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years from now. Right. Um, and then the 21st, uh, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century um, is about looking at how, what, what are the, the, the things that we need to solve right now in this moment. And it's so crazy because that book, if you read it right now, you're like, oh my God, this is like happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like he's like predictive, like I'm... Nostradamus kind of thing, but in a sense that a lot of it really is what it is, you know, social challenges with technology, right? You know, and that's you know we come, we always come around that right now in in these conversations, and we're in, it's going to be like that from now on for right. our 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 human race because it's our opportunity, it's a thing that we've created and put imagination to, and it enables us to do so much and. Ultimately, I, I always, um, when we talk about technology or I hear um, conversations on technology, I, I always come to the thought of 
technology will always advance. It's, it's not that it will or will not. It's just a question of, are we able to make the decisions to do something or not? Mm. You know, and um, I feel like moving into the future, I think in education, um, education needs to continue to shift towards helping kids, helping people, helping generations be able to make decisions rather than do things. Yes, right. Um, it's, it's interesting, like... Uh, because technology will continue to be able to do more, right. but it will not continue to decide more. Right. We make the decision, right? Yes. Like, so, for example, five years from now or whatever, now cars are automated. Right. The decision is, do we use that automation right. or do we not? Yeah. Um, it, yeah. So, and that's the part where I'm always, when I'm engaged with anyone younger than me, I'm like, always you know like all right so what's your thought process behind this right do you feel like this is you know important and how would you use it right um because it's no matter it's going to get to a point where it's not if we can do that it's when we can do that and should we do that sure or how do we do that in the right way it's an important distinction and you know when it comes to deciding uh, the future for Kauai too uh, there are all kinds of ways to um you know, plug parameters into a modeling and simulation and run millions of simulations to sort of achieve the optimal outcome. But how you define that optimal outcome all depends on what your objectives are and what you want that to look like. Mm-hmm. You know, so to your point, it's deciding what you want first mm-hmm. and then learning the skills behind it so that you can achieve those ends as efficiently as possible. Yeah. 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 Very good. So much fun, man. Thank wow. you. Uh, thanks for thanks for joining me. This is great. I had such a wonderful time. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's do it again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>